Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Katherine Miller. Divorce Dialogues brings expert guests to the airways to talk through your divorce questions and fill in the gray areas about separating. From thinking about divorce, to how to behave during divorce, to what to do after, this is Divorce Dialogues. Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Catherine Miller. I'm the founder of the Miller Law Group and director at the Center for Understanding in Conflict, and I am on a mission to change how people divorce and help them divorce with dignity. And my guest today is Jackie Pelosoff. Jackie is the creator and editor-in-chief of the well-known divorce support website, Divorced Girl Smiling. She's a former television journalist with a master's degree in communication, and she's also the writer of her weekly column, Love Essentially, which was formerly published in the Chicago Tribune and currently published in Better Magazine. Jackie lives in Chicago with her two kids, and of course, she is divorced. Welcome, Jackie Philosoph. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, Catherine. So what is it that led you to start the website? And I think you write a blog. I get your newsletters or your, and you always have such interesting perspective. What, what led you to think this would be helpful either for you or for other people or both? Which I think it is. I don't mean to be <laughs> challenging you on that. So I got divorced or was going through a divorce probably 14 years ago now. And when I was going through the divorce, I felt extremely isolated and alone. I felt like I was on an island. So I had two small kids who were three and five. I was living in a town where I had no family. And, you know, it really felt like isolating and it was very difficult. And at the time, I didn't know anybody else who was divorced. I lived, still do, in a very suburban community with mostly married people, and it was really hard, and I didn't want anyone to ever feel like that again, and I'm a former journalist, well, not a former, I guess I am a journalist, and so take a journalist, you know, that has a lot to say, going through a divorce, and you're going to get a lot of writing, so... I just started opening up and talking about how hard it was and all the different things I was feeling. And then it sort of caught on and it became sort of a community. So eight years later, there are a lot of divorced men and women who go to my site, Divorce Girls Smiling, to get information, to feel supported and connected and realize that their life isn't going to be awful just because they're divorced. And so what are some of the feelings that that you experience and that you think are fairly typical for people who are going through a divorce? Because I think as I'm listening to you speak, that one of the things that feels so isolating is that sort of, it's not, I think it's confusing because there are a bunch of very strong and conflicting emotions that can make people feel pretty disoriented. So I think to have you name them could be really useful. Sure. And I always say, you know, divorce is like a roller coaster ride. So one day you could feel like you can't get out of bed and you're really sad and it feels very hopeless. And then something will happen or you'll just find this strength and you'll say, wow, this isn't so bad. I can do this. So then you feel sort of empowered and happy. And then something else will happen and you'll feel really angry. And so I could go on and on, but there are so many different feelings. I would say, I wrote an article, which I'm going to talk about, which are the stages of divorce. 
And I really feel like the stages I'm going to talk about are not necessarily in that order and people jump around from stage to stage. But you're asking me about basic feelings and I think one of the biggest ones, the first one is shock and disbelief and almost, you know, denial sometimes where people just can't even believe it whether, and I'm not just talking about if your spouse came home and just said, I want a divorce and you had no idea and you were shocked. Okay, yes, that's one scenario. But also, even if you are the one who wants the divorce and you're, you actually pulled the trigger, it's almost like you can feel, it's like it's shocking. You can't even believe it's happening to you. Yeah, I think that's really true. I mean, for me, I was the first person in my family to ever get divorced in history. <laughs> and, and, and it felt really, and it was my choice, and it did feel like some kind of weird sci-fi thing. Like, really? <laughs> yeah, like you just can't even believe it. You know, yeah. you wake up and you think, was that a dream? <laughs> yeah. It, it, you know? And it's hard to talk about that, especially if you're the one choosing it, because I mean, what do you mean you're shocked? You you chose this. How could you be shocked? And so because, it doesn't right. really line up, right, with the facts right. in some and way. I also remember like several years ago, I was at this meeting. I went to a divorce support group meeting, and there were all women in all different stages of their divorces. And there was this one woman who was literally just looked like she was in a daze. And I never forgot it because I felt so bad for her. She looked like she was just in a fog. She And she said, you know, my husband just told me he wanted a divorce like two weeks ago. And I don't even know what I'm doing here. I don't even know what I'm doing in life. Like, it was very sad to me. And I can relate. And I think many, many people have that feeling. So, Jackie, tell us off, what are the 10 stages of divorce, if there are 10 stages, that you have identified? So, I just said the first one. Right. And then another stage, the second stage, and again, these are not in any particular order, but they're the stages as I see them, but, you know, people might jump around. So, the second one is sadness. And sadness is when you're really mourning the emotional part, you know, never mind yet the financial and the kids or whatever, but just your relationship ending, your memories that are going to be just that and not make any future memories with the person. And just feeling really sad, you know, that now, oh, am I a cliche? Am I a divorcee? And mourning the relationship part of it. So that that's another uh, stage. People kind of move into like this panic, anxiety, kind of fear, like, oh, my gosh, this is really happening. So I tell people that it's sort of like, you know, you and your spouse are really sad. And then the attorneys get involved. And you now you know you're in this lawsuit against each other, basically. And the gloves can sometimes come off at that point. You know, it's kind of like, so then there's a lot of fear and panic and you feel frenzied and, you know, am I going to have to go back to work? Am I going to get to keep my house? Are my kids going to turn out awful, you know, act out? And so all this panic and fear and anxiety can cause really bad feelings between couples. You know, I always say anger stems from fear and anxiety. 
So that's another stage. Well, before you move on from that, because I think it's really interesting, I was just having this conversation with a client last week when I used that word, lawsuit, right? We, we're going to start a lawsuit in order to blah, 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 blah. It's not important. And, and you know, this was not a smart thing for me to say because she was like, what do you mean lawsuit? And, and I think that the idea that anybody is going to find themselves involved in a lawsuit with around their family is like just brings you back to shock and it's like who no one wants that no one expects that and it does send people reeling do you think that's right true? it does it does and you know in today's day and age maybe we should everybody should just drop the word lawsuit and just say you know what we're going to try to come to an agreement here that's legal that we have something in writing that's going to make everybody as happy as possible a deal that we can all feel comfortable with, keeping in mind the laws and what the guidelines are, you know, and make people feel empowered. The couple should be working it out themselves according to what the laws are and what they would get if they went to court. You know what I mean? Yeah, but also... It's just such a better process. Yeah, but also in in alignment with what they think is important, right? So because... Correct. You know, it's really interesting that across the the 50 states, 95% of divorces settle before a judge makes a decision after a trial. So pretty much people are going to settle based on their own criteria, what makes most sense to them, and not without being advised as to what might happen in court. And so I think it's this combination of things that people can really find their way through this themselves with help. Yes. And you're right. And what's important to them, you know, people think, I have to have 50-50 custody of my kids. Well, if you're somebody who is out of town all week for your job and the kids are going to end up being with a nanny anyway all week, why do you want that? Don't put that kind of pressure on yourself. Maybe the other spouse says, I want to take care of them during the week. And and so you don't have to have this guilt or make decisions based on what you think other people think you should be doing or what society says. There are no rules. There are only guidelines, I think. I think that's right. I'm Catherine Miller. You're listening to Divorce Dialogues here on WVOX 1460 AM every other Wednesday from 5 to 5.30 and also available as a podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And I'm talking today with Jackie Philosoff. She is the creator and editor-in-chief of Divorce Girl Smiling, and we're talking about the 10 stages of divorce. So what's the next stage? Okay, so after... Well, not after the panic. I think the the stress of a divorce goes on, unfortunately, the whole time, almost the whole time. But then as these decisions start to be made and then maybe one of the people, you know, let's say one of the spouses finds out the other has a girlfriend or a boyfriend. Well, now here comes the anger and resentment and that you know, you took 20 years of my life. I could have been with someone else and been so happy. So now people are starting to think back on all the things about their ex that made them angry that they did during the marriage. And it all kind of comes out. And so there's all this anger, anger toward each other, maybe angry at yourself, maybe angry at the world, maybe angry with God. You know, why did this happen to me? Why would God do this to me? And so that's that's another stage. 
Yep, and I think that anger is what sort of in the media is what we often think of as being a primary feeling that comes up in a, in a big stage of, of divorce, and it certainly comes and goes, but I think that there is... It does come out of fear and comes out of sadness, and and it's right. it's a little bit of a a coping mechanism, right? And and, mm-hmm. and it, it also be- comes from unhappiness. Yes, you know. So if somebody is unhappy, they might say it's my spouse's fault. Yeah. But I think it's interesting about anger because it can be, of course, destructive and you think, where are the roses and all that sort of stuff? But Mm -hmm. it can also be helpful because it can make and help people, drive people, give them the energy to make changes. Those changes are necessary because the the family is making a change, but it can also be constructive to drive each person toward a better, better place for themselves and for their children. What do you think about that? Right. Well, you have to hope. Which actually leads me to the next stage, which is a tinge of excitement and hope. And I think that intertwined with all of these stages, there are feelings and little patches of hope and excitement that keep you going and think, okay, there's a light at the end of this tunnel. Like, for example, um, when I was going through my divorce, you know, I was, I wasn't even thinking about dating again and I met someone and I will never forget it. I hold him near and dear to my heart because he made me realize like I still was capable of loving someone and I felt attractive and sexy and fun and he kind of brought me back to life and made me not bitter. So that was like a little distraction that was exciting. But then, you know, during the times when I was dating him, I would come home and there would be, you know, bad news from my attorney or I would get in a fight with my soon-to-be ex and it was exhausting. But in in between these, all of these terrible things that were going on, there were some good things. Yeah. And I think that's right. That's what I, when I was talking earlier in the show about this disorienting feeling when you feel hope or relief sometimes, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That, you know what, whether or not you chose the divorce or not, it's, it's it's the things that were not good about this relationship will be over and something better might be there. And it, you can feel, sometimes I think people feel guilty about feeling that way. And yeah, Right, they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and also, I hate to use, I'm sorry even that I use the example because I don't want people to think you have to meet a guy to be happy. That wasn't the point of that. There are so many other feelings of excitement and tinges of hope and excitement. Like, for example, you know, you might have been really, really scared and had to go back to work. And then you you get, get a job, like, and you can't believe, wow, somebody just is interested in hiring me. And it's such a good feeling. Or, you know, you know something even happens with your ex where... You actually couldn't remember the last time you didn't have an argument. And then this time when he came to get the kids, he was actually nice. You know, so there's there's little things that happen. And then sometimes you just say, you look in the mirror and say, wow, I'm really handling this. And I'm really proud of myself. I wish people would do that more. Yeah. And I think that where when when people have 
divided the family responsibilities. And sometimes people can feel like, well, I don't know anything about that, or I don't know as much about that as I should. I don't know about enough as much about the finances as I should. I don't feel like I own our budget, or I don't feel like I really know our kids in the way that I could because I've let the other parent be that person who takes care of all those problems. It's an opportunity, and when it's to really get to know something you didn't know before, and that can be amazingly empowering, I think. Oh, that is such a good point. You know, there's so many people who never dealt with the finances, and then after they get divorced, they have to. So then you have a meeting, let's say, with a financial advisor, and you actually understand things, and you think, wow, this is so empowering. Why didn't I learn about this before? Or, you know, some people didn't even ever have to pay bills. They didn't even know how to do that. Um, some people, like I said, go back to work or even anything. Like, I remember, I didn't even know how to do one thing around my house. And now I could be a handyman. <laughs> you know, you just learn how to do things for yourself. It's very empowering and it makes you feel extremely independent and confident. So what's next? Okay. so. So after those, between those little um, bits of hope and, and excitement, then there's frustration. So I'm sure you know as well as anybody, divorce takes a long time. And it gets really frustrating when it's not moving forward, especially during COVID because it's taking even longer. And people get frustrated. You know, it's it's like, when is this going to be over? I'm tired of paying bills to my attorney. I'm tired that my ex will never change. I'm tired that I can't meet anyone. I'm tired, you know, that these problems I have will never go away. You know, someone saying, I, I, I'll never get a job. So frustration is a big stage, too. And how do you think people should handle that, that frustration? Well, you know, I wrote a piece called One Word That'll Keep You Out of the Garbage Chute, and it's patience. And I was referring to, remember, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory sure. when Veruca went. She had no patience, so she went right down the garbage chute. <laughs> so, you know, you have to really take a deep breath and say, okay, I have to just say this could last another year. It's not going to be the same and be as bad the whole year, but the divorce might not be final for a year. To say just give yourself a year to start. Could be sooner, could take longer. And just really practice patience. And leading to the next stage, which is gratitude, you know, I know people are just rolling their eyes right now going, I'm tired of hearing that word, gratitude. We should all feel gratitude. But it's so true. It's not a cliche. And what starts to happen with people is you start to realize that there's more good days than bad days. At the beginning, it's like every day seems bad. And then the bad days get less and the good days get more. And the bad moments get less and the good moments start to outweigh the bad moments. So then you start to really say, wow, life is getting better. That's a very good place to be in. Yeah. I want to make sure that people know who they're talking to or who they're listening to and remind them that they're listening to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Catherine Miller, and we're here on WBOX every other Wednesday from 5 to 5.30, and I'm talking today with Jackie Pilosoff about the 10 stages and the roller coaster ride of divorce. And, and Jackie, if people are interested in learning more about uh, Divorce Girl Smiling or Love Essentially, how can they learn more and maybe subscribe? 
So you can go to divorcedgirlsmiling.com and everything is right there. You can subscribe, send me an email. And then I also have a Divorce Girl Smiling Facebook group page that people can go to and talk to other divorced people online through Facebook messaging. I mean, not messaging, um, just posting. Mm-hmm. It's a closed group and it's really nice. It's a very good, supportive and loving, warm community. That's great. And I'm I'm not sure I've lost count. Where are we? Okay, so we're on number eight, which is which is acceptance. And sometimes it takes years to accept certain things, sometimes it takes months, whatever, but anger starts to fade and you start to just believe sort of like, you know what? This is terrible that this happened to me, but now things are getting better and better and I've accepted it. And that's when you begin to move on, except that, you know, maybe your ex ended the marriage and is with someone new. That's a really tough pill to swallow. But at some point, you have to accept it if you're going to move on with your own life. You don't want to be one of those bitter people that just keeps talking about your ex to everyone in your community for years and years. Yeah, that's that's. I think that's repelling for people. Do you think yes, that, it is. <laughs> that gratitude and acceptance go together? I mean, I think in some ways if you can be grateful, and, and I don't mean grateful for the crappy end or, you know, what the affair or whatever it is, but grateful for your children, grateful for the good things in your relationship, grateful for what the marriage did for you instead of focused on the negative. I think that's what you're talking about because right, we, right as human beings, we are genetically primed to focus on the negative and not the positive and mm-hmm. it, it can be so destructive and really right. keep you stuck if you're not able to say you know what uh, you know Margaret Mead at the end of her life was asked how she felt about having three failed marriages and she said I don't think I had any failed marriages I had three marriages that came to their natural end it was painful for her uh, but mm-hmm. she, you know, I think that that really illustrates that sense of gratitude. That I had these three relationships that ran their course. Yeah, and also, you know, I don't know one divorced person that regrets having their children. So, right. I mean, if you just focus on them alone, the marriage was worth that alone. But even even if you didn't have children, you had a beautiful relationship at one at one point with the person. There was a, enough joy that you chose to marry the person. So remember the, the, the good that came out of it and how, what you learned and, you know, how they might have made you a better person in some ways and maybe even how they did not bring out the best in you and how lucky you are now that you're free from that. Yeah. And I think that works into the acceptance part. And it may, it's easier to be serene if you feel you know what there's balance here it wasn't all bad it wasn't all good it was it was real right so moving on to stage number nine which is empowerment and I think that people could ask a divorced person when they actually felt this and they'll be able to tell you a certain time you know like for me I remember just a couple years down the line or even less I just one day was like, wow, what I'm doing. I never thought I could do this. You know, I mean, make my own money and start this business, this website and business, which, you know, turned into a business. 
and being a single mother of two kids that, and I was handling all of it. And I was like, wow, I'm really proud of myself. And I, I wasn't sure I could do this. And I did. And I think almost every person gets to that point. Yeah, that's great. And 10? And then 10 is peace, just a sense of peace um, that life kind of seems calm. Everyone's doing well. You don't know what's in store for you. It hasn't been revealed yet, but for now, you're just living your life and trying to enjoy every minute. And I always say that's when you meet the love of your life. (laughs) And uh, has that happened to you? It has, yeah. So um, I was actually almost 50, like months away from turning 50 and completely had just gotten out of a long-term relationship and knew it wasn't right, didn't want to be married and thought, I don't care if I live the rest of my life alone. It's better than being in a marriage that was not going to work. I felt so free. The last thing I expected was to meet someone. I started dating a guy I was friends with from my gym and I was in love after two dates and it's been almost six years and I I can't even believe it. I'm still pinching myself. <laughs> That's really, I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry for asking an intrusive question, but I think it's so useful for, for listeners to know that there is the possibility. And of course, it doesn't have to be that you find another partner, but that there is the possibility of happiness on the other side of divorce, maybe even with somebody else. Yep. So in our last seconds, uh, do you have some quick advice for anybody thinking about divorce? What would you say the first thing they should do in our last 10 seconds? The first thing they should do is what? The first thing they should do is talk to a therapist, a divorce attorney, and a financial planner. And just have conversations. And that will give them so much information to decide if it's right for them. All right, Jackie Pelosoff, so thank you so much for being our guest on Divorce Dialogue. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me, Catherine.